I had a lot of opportunity when I was younger. Looking at it now, felt that it hurt the business of what I was doing. Personally, don't really enjoy working on my car. But dude, I like wrenching on the car. It just never clicked for me. We still had our Wendell and we still had to finish the season. And I had already pretty much like left the team, I guess you'd say. Yeah. Which wasn't the way I wanted to do that. I miss like the hotel hang, the camaraderie of all of the drivers and just everyone being a little more loose. How have you managed to keep one chassis alive for so long? Yo guys, like we're all gonna drift today. We win, you know what I'm saying? That's so rare. I like my women in On FDF, the GR86 behind us is a one-of-one one kit. This build has actually been behind the scenes for eight months. There is a little bit of thoughts between how did he make that happen? Yeah, a lot of people are saying you stole the Accelera budgets. Welcome back to the number one drift podcast on YouTube. I am Dawson and we have, as you can tell, quite a special guest today. So if you want to introduce yourself a little bit. Yo, what's up, guys? My name is Nate Hamilton. Welcome to Texas, Dawson. Oh, and yeah. Let's do this thing. Big old state of Texas. I actually love it down here, dude. This is very, well, I know I kind of got the best part of the weather, but <laughs> the weather's been really good. I will say the road systems are just trash. <laughs> Dude, there's one, uh, I think pre uh, President George Bush Highway has to be like the best highway in the world, or I say world, in, in Texas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. President George Bush Highway is like one of the best highways in Texas where dudes will like uh, highway runs and things like this. But okay. other than that one, the roads are sketchy. Fair enough. Well, now you know <laughs> if you come to visit in Texas. But uh, just real quick, if you are here... Don't forget to subscribe, so look below the video. If that button is still red, you're going to want to go ahead and click it and hit that bell notification so you're updated with every episode. Uh, but again, 144 Print House. I actually, we just did kind of a little walkthrough and got some coffee and stuff. This place is sick. Now, I know you guys have probably seen it on camera, but you really outdid yourself on this. This is crazy. Definitely like a work in progress. Uh, yeah, so like I've been working for a few years to stack up enough to expand right so yeah, yeah. Uh, we're stoked on the expansion for those who don't know we doubled our space so we were able to take over the neighbors bust down some walls put in some storefront energy and uh yeah finally give the race studio its home mm -hmm. where we had the print house and the race studio in one space right yeah yeah makes it work now you got all the room for activities and stuff, man. You got a whole shop for the race studio. Yeah, dude, we got like two lifts and a little wrap bay, wrap studio for, for things that are clean. Um, tire machine, just, mm -hmm. you know, normal drift prep space. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. And uh, just to kind of address the elephant in the room, uh, as you can tell, we will get into the BRZ since that just came out. But uh, I'm going to a little other subjects and stuff first. But uh, give me kind of a... Generic. I know you've talked about it on other uh, videos and stuff, but give me a generic walkthrough of 144, what it stands for, where it came from, stuff like that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it definitely can be a longer story, but I'll try to like, you know, hit the hit the high points here. Um, so yeah, like first memory was a garage door opening, a kid playing basketball. Uh, I ended up 
meeting him. He was like my backdoor neighbor. We became best friends. Long story short, he had an illness and he passed away. He loved oh, no. Brett Favre. So his favorite number was four. Uh, so from there, flash forward about 10 years, I was going to Englishtown, New Jersey. I decided that my race number would be 44, four yeah. for him and four for me. Uh, obviously, this was when I arrived to Englishtown and it was a huge mobile one, 18 wheeler, right? Which was, uh, it was Ryan Turek and Steve Angerman driving the mobile one yeah, yeah. Uh, program back then. And Ryan Turek was 44. So I immediately thought, what am I going to do? I'm screwed. Yeah. I was like, what am I going to do, man? Like, this is for my homie who passed away. Yeah. Uh, so I immediately just thought of Travis Pastrana with the 199 and I did a 144. And I remember like Matt Petty being like, there's no three digits in drifting. And I was just like, I need this. There is now. Sorry. <laughs> I was like, I need this. So yeah, 144, uh, you know, started as my race number. Um, and then I went on a drifting spree from when I was younger mm -hmm. and Really, when I wanted to take a break from it, I started Rhythm Print Supply, which was the print house. And everyone was just calling, like, where's Nate? Where's 144? Where's Nate? Where's yeah, 144? Yeah. And so I ended up just having to do a DBA, 144's print house and race studio. So the origin of it is my drift number, my race number. That's sick. Okay. And actually, I noticed, like, the, um, I guess it would be technically that one is actually 144 building right like the suite number so our suite number is uh uh 114 okay it's confusing dude okay yeah i probably just read it wrong then but yeah our suite number is 114 like, no way that's real wouldn't that be sick dude yeah <laughs> <laughs> i get the city to like change the address yeah yeah so with with how massive you've kind of built this business what has kind of been really one of the most important things of I guess, growing a business in general that you found? Good question, man. I mean, I would say, you know, business for me started out of a necessity, um, meaning like I was drifting and I really struggled with like sponsorship and how to ask for money and how to, you know, make money drifting. And I kind of had a moment where I was looking around and I was like, I don't own much of this. Like I don't own much of it and mm -hmm. it's always year to year and I don't know how I'm going to feed my family in a few years. Right. Like I yeah. kind of looked ahead and I kind of felt fear. Oh yeah. So from there I just realized, you know, in my past I was a pressman like screen printing and that was creative and I knew that everyone can kind of bet on a t-shirt. And so I had this crazy idea to, you know, that's when I left Florida mm -hmm. and I moved to Texas and I wanted to marry my childhood like love and I wanted to start screen printing for the motorsports industry, um, which full circle led me back to drifting. That's crazy how that worked. Yeah, I don't think I answered your question, but I <laughs> definitely, uh, I don't think I answered your question, but no, I would say for me, uh, business started out of necessity. And mm -hmm. it was something where I was like, I need to build this up to take care of myself. And I wanted to bet on me. Mm -hmm. And from there, I really just went to work right and i started screen printing and just delivering to my partners yeah, like yeah. everyone that was my sponsor like grip royal right mm -hmm. i would just print them shirts and be like yo scott i'm i'm, I'm screen printing shirts now you know it's kind yeah, of like yeah. a it's kind of like a what the heck moment but uh from there that just kind of led into what it is today you know mm -hmm. well cool i think you answered that perfectly. adrian is screwing up this podcast right now <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I probably can't even hear it, honestly. Um, no, I think you answered that perfectly because that's with how short of a time span that I've been, like, you know, growing my businesses and stuff. Literally, the most important thing to me was just the first initial start was telling myself, who cares? Just start it. Yeah. And I felt like, you know, I feel like with drifting, I can drive until I'm older. Right. So I felt like I have a lot of time. So when I thought about, I'm going to take a break from drifting and I'm going to start screen printing t-shirts, I literally felt like I had a lot of time. So I was like, That's interesting. you know, it was, I don't, I, I'm very like, I don't antsy, I guess. I don't know. Like I, I have to, I have to keep doing the next step. And I feel like, cause like everyone wants that, that, that Holy grail moment of like buying your mom a house or buying her a car or doing something for your parents. And I feel, I've always had it in the back of my head that like I may run out of time before I get that chance. Mm. And that's something that's always scared the living shit out of me. Mm. So I'm, I'm interested to kind of hear your thoughts on that. Yeah. I mean, I, I would say like, you know, working on something that takes time, the worst thing that I could feel is that I'm out of time, right? Because yeah. now my expectation of the result needs to be fast. Mm -hmm. And I always felt like whether it be, you know, an analogy of like roots planted in the ground to hold the tree up, right? Like the longer yeah. and the deeper the roots could grow, the stronger the tree could weather whatever storm. You know what okay. I'm saying? So like for me, I really wanted to spend a lot of time planting seeds and letting them grow versus trying to expedite a result to get my mom a house. And I just yeah, yeah. bet on it backwards, I guess, you know, I just, that's a good way to approach it. I'm going to take note on that. And actually. so, but so <laughs> to the point, like a lot of things that are going on at 144's print house and race studio have been cultivated over time, right? Like you see this today and I know it looks great and I know I have a great team, but it took time. Right. And yeah. every stage of that took time to where to your point, though, like I still feel very hungry and driven where it's like I don't really get to breathe so deep and like relax. I always feel like it's the next thing, next yeah, thing, next yeah. thing. So it never ends, man. So if you do start a business, you got to love whatever you're doing because it just as the owner and operator, it just doesn't end. Oh, yeah. So I guess what did you kind of have to put yourself through? when you were trying to gain all these sponsorships? Cause like, I, I know for myself, I, I like to do video proposals, but I also don't think I'm tremendously good at it. I don't think I have it figured out quite yet. So what, what did you have to put yourself through to kind of get to that point? Dude, a lot, man. Like, so I remember when I was younger, right? It was like, I drove local Texas events like Lone Star Drift. Then that fed me into blowing an SR20 up. That fed me into getting a V8 platform so me and dad could go to the race and try to keep the motor alive. Yeah, yeah. And then that fed me to a fabricator who took me to Englishtown, New Jersey for the number 44 moment, right? Like Sick. I was forced to go to my first comps by friends. I didn't even want to go, right? Like I. Your pressure's a bitch. <laughs> I was street drifting and I was like stoked, you know? And. When we started street drifting enough, it was like, well, we should probably do this somewhere that it, yeah, you know, it makes a little bit more sense. Exactly. Not, not so much risk involved. Yep. So, so from there, it was like, then I'm going to my first XTC, I'm qualifying number one and I'm finishing fourth and I'm like, shit, I have to do this. Like, All I at your first comp. Yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> I came straight out of Texas up to New Jersey, 
Hadn't met Forsberg, Matt Petty, Jared DeAnda, Ryan Turek, Steve Angerman, none of them. Never met them. Just show up as a random kid with curly hair. And I qualify first, and I finish fourth. And immediately just from there, the it was just beers cracked, and my career kind of was like on. You know yeah. what I mean? So for me, my story kind of goes like I had a lot of opportunity when I was younger, mm-hmm. which actually, looking at it now, felt that it hurt the business of what I was doing, right? Like, like I didn't have a manager. I didn't have anyone looking over me. I didn't have any advice. It was just like, yo, you're, you're part of the boys. Let's go drift. Here's all these opportunities, figure them out. And Mm -hmm. I really feel like I failed a lot of partners during that time just because I wasn't mature enough to handle the situation that I was in. So it was like things came to me too quickly and I wasn't ready for them. Gotcha. Well, okay. So what would you consider was the fails then? Like what, what did you actually do? Well, just like, you know, just like growing with brands, like being able to provide the service that they were paying for, right? Like, it's cool for someone to be like, yo, what's up? I want to sponsor you. Here's a set of whatever, right? Like, mm-hmm. here's some products and like, let's grow together. But I really wasn't able to cultivate the growth. Like, I was just like, cool products. And I would just yeah. go on my way. And then it would kind of be like, yo, Nate, where you been? And I'm like, yeah. oh, yeah, what about it? And they're like, well, dude, you gotta, you know what I mean? Like, we got to work together on this stuff. Yep. And it's kind of in those moments where my life just felt fast, dude. Like, I was traveling. We were young. Mm-hmm. Like, we were going from beers to drift tracks, beers to drift tracks. Yep. And I just, like, was living, you know? And so, flash forward to that 2016, 2017 moment when I was just like, whoa, I need to, like, rebuild my foundation because a lot of this isn't mine. And... I don't know how to ask for the partnerships to make sense. Like I didn't know business. Okay. So when, when did it click that you finally found the exact way to really approach companies and what was your, like the method to the madness? Yeah. I mean, I think that each company's approach is going to be different, you know? So like you kind of have to be out of flow and, and really study a little bit before you. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. Studying and like flowing through what you can do for them and just understanding like what you're asking for. Um, but I will say like when, in let's say 2018, when I didn't touch a steering wheel or a pedal for a year straight, Mm -hmm. like I was just screen printing and that quick outline was literally like, wake up at 5am, go to the shop, check my emails. You know, like I didn't even know how to process an order. Right. I was doing like literally like Google doc invoicing. Like it was terrible. It was terrible. I just was just, just that like hungry, you know? So go to the shop, check the emails, prep the job, hand screen the job, tear the screens back down for tomorrow. And it was literally like a five to midnight. It was like a year of that, just going at it and loving it too. But I literally remember, dude, like coding screens in this dark room because you have to be in a red room. Yeah, with the red light. Yep. And uh, I was just coding screens and I just would think about drifting. I always thought about drifting. And I knew I would get back to drifting. I just didn't know how. Yeah. Uh, and so I guess just through that like flow of business, it kind of opened my eyes into what it's like to work with companies more so. So okay, kind of a hard way to answer that. but Yeah, yeah. So uh, the... in. Back in when you kind of, I guess, got back into it with, uh, and then Njuku came into play, right? Yeah. How did that kind of happen? I, I know we spoke a little bit about it before the podcast, but let's give them a rundown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, here I am. I'm in Formula Drift. 
it's like 2014, 2015. I'm getting okay results. Like I'm doing decent. I like to skateboard. I like to drift. I like to market, right? So I think visually we were appealing to them just as like a driver. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so they, it was either I hit them up or, you know, we connected and it was like, hey, we'll help you like prep the car. They knew so much more about the physical car. Like it's been something that for me is also a double-edged sword. Mm -hmm. Like I'm a creative, like I'm yeah. not really a mechanic. You know what I mean? Like I wrench on my car less than Adrian does. You know what I mean? So <laughs> it's, it's just, that's always been the way for me. Like I agree. I personally don't really enjoy working on my car. It's, it's and become it's, more of a headache than anything. But dude, I like wrenching on the car. It just never clicked for me. It just yeah. wasn't my role. You know, and I always admired like Forsberg and those guys who can literally do everything, right? Yeah. He could put his yeah. cage in it. He could put his motor in it. Like he could do the whole thing, you mm -hmm. know, and I was just the like expedited version of a driver, you know, that loved to drift and like put me behind the wheel was where I was good, you know? So long story short, Njuku and I connected <laughs> and they were like, Hey, we'll prep your car. We'll help kind of update this thing. And like, yeah, let's get you, it. let's get you like more in the show, you know? And uh, so yeah, I shipped the car to them and I was living in Texas. And then when I didn't have my car and my, my car was in Florida, yeah, yeah. I was like, what am I doing in Texas? <laughs> you know what I mean? So I just, uh, you know, like asked them if I could move to Florida and they said yes. And I moved to Florida. You moved on in with them too, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. So Kevin Lawrence, shout out to Kevin Lawrence. He, uh, basically allowed me to like get a room in his house and I moved into his house and that fed me to a few other places around town and, uh, yeah. Just like really enjoyed enjoyed Florida for like two, I think almost three years. I, I feel like they're embedded in grassroots a little bit, but it's more like kind of pro spec. So it's not fully the pros, but they kind of get hit that intermediate part, I think. And I, I think that's very important for drifting. Yeah, dude. I Like being behind the scenes over there, I was able to understand like from Nopi, you know, to the mm -hmm. grassroots scene, to then back into like pro spec, like you're saying, like... They just have been through it. Yeah. And so I really do believe they can pick and choose whatever class they want to be in and right. they'll fit in. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah. they fit in in all classes and, uh, you know, just great company and uh, it was cool. So my time there was super fun. I still think about it a lot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I woke up one day and I was like, I got to go. So explain that then. So what, because I know it kind of just right, from the media standpoint, viewers and stuff, it just kind of fell off. So what what kind of happened with Injuku? Why did why did that disappear from your program? Uh well so like, you know, anytime that you're invested in a project together and you both care equally as much about the results of the project, oh, yeah. uh things can be difficult, right? So for us it was like I knew throughout the season that I wanted to move home mm -hmm. and I was able to kind of let them know that at the end of the season I was going to move back to Texas. Yep. And I think that that translation kind of was difficult on both parties and so I found myself actually oh. exiting faster than I wanted to right like I wanted okay. to uh, yeah, yeah. I wanted to technically move home after the season had ended um, but for the formula drift Texas round ended up being when I actually moved home so we still had our Wendell and we still had to finish the season and I had already pretty much like left the team I guess you'd say yeah yeah um, which wasn't the way I wanted to do that um, and so from there, there was some friction on just like logistics and things. And uh, it just kind of was just like a crack in the foundation. And then everything changed. So that that was like back in 2018, right? 
So that was, was in that, that 2017. Because like, someone, I, I personally don't, I didn't watch back then or anything. So someone had told me where like, there was one event, your trailer and everything was there, but you ended up not showing up. Is that the instance you're talking about? Uh, yeah, so I never made it to Irwindale. That's what it was. Yeah, the okay. last round, I never made it to Irwindale. And it was just that moment of like super awkwardness where oh, yeah. I had moved to Texas <laughs> and I just kind of felt set out like on my own, right? Like mm. it was just a little bit more like you're off the team finish the season however you want. That's fair. And it just was uh, financially not available for me. So it was just really awkward. And I remember calling partners and being like, I'm super sorry. Yeah. I don't have the financial support to finish the season because, I, you know what I'm saying, I asked my dad to get me to get this done and he couldn't do it. So like I reached out to my family and said, please, let's do this last round. Can we make it happen? And obviously we just couldn't. Yeah. And so I feel like I let Njuku down and I feel like I let my partners down. And I kind of ended my formula drift time, mm -hmm. not the way I wanted to. Uh, so still lust over going back, right? Do you ever plan on going back? About that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. But yeah, yeah. So uh, it was cool, man. Like uh, it and everything is cool now. Like the good thing about it is like I don't ever want anyone to feel like we can't communicate. And so yeah, as times passed, like. We've grown back together and I love them and I order parts from them and it's like yeah, cool. everything is okay. It just was awkward. Just business yeah. and it's just racing and money and that stuff happens all the time. It's it does, man. Crazy. I, I did notice you said in an interview one time that it's completely okay as from a driver's standpoint to leave a sponsorship. Is, oh yeah. Is that kind of what you meant by that or? Yeah. Yeah. I guess. Else? Yeah. I guess a better way to word that would be to that point when I woke up and I realized I didn't own anything. Right. It was like, I realized I was working on a team and this was probably dude, like looking at it now, like the entrepreneur in myself. Right. Yeah, like it was like, is. I see a vision and I want to run straight towards that vision and I don't want anyone to stop me. And I remember whether it be, um, you know, demos, right? Like I would have yep. stacked that schedule to where we were traveling every weekend. And Njuku had to slow me down, right? They were like, no. Oh, buddy, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, they were like, we're <laughs> not going there. That's too much. We don't want to go. You know, it was yeah. like they had been in drifting so long and I was just on my like come up moment to where I was like, we got to do, you know, we got these demo opportunities, formula drift, all these things, right? And it was just like a lot. Yeah. And I was kind of like feeling bad when I couldn't do what I wanted to do. I was like, well, I want to go to all these places, but I can't because we don't want to go. Yeah. And that's kind of when that I woke up and thought, oh, dang. So the only way to do this is to go backwards 10 steps, rebuild my whole thing and come back if it brings me back. Sick. Okay. That's the, because I actually really agree with that. That's, that's a good perspective, I would say. Because um, I've never really heard anyone say from a driver's standpoint to leave. It's always the sponsor leaving or something like that. So, Yeah, which is a double-edged sword, right? Because then I didn't make yeah. the last round and then I failed everyone. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. You know, it's got its goods and its bads. But, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I just, I just really wanted to, uh, to just drive my own shit, man. Like, just wanted to run my own program. And I felt like kind of getting that, that history with them and, like, understanding how they were running their program really helped me understand how to operate a program. Well, how long have you kind of been, I guess, 
do I know you, you've been here for like you said three years, right? Mm -hmm. So this started while in Texas, correct? One four four. Uh, no, no. Beforehand. Uh, so one four four, the race number started, of course, in Texas. Uh, but the business started in like Texas. The yes, and stuff yes. Like that. Okay, That's and that was two thousand and eighteen. So in seventeen was my last FD season, and call it September of twenty seventeen, I moved to Texas. So then from there, I had no business name. I had no business model. I had no location. Like I literally like blind sight got a house with the lady I wanted to marry, my 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 wife yeah, Megan. Yeah. And like I just was in Texas then. And I woke up and I was calling all my people, telling them how I wouldn't make it to Irwindale. <laughs> so yes, uh well, 144 Sprint House started in Texas in, in twenty eighteen. Okay. Well, what do you offer like cuz I know you work with drivers primarily, right? It's turning into that, man. There's a, definitely a lot of seasons of business and there's a lot of opportunities that pop up that we lean into, but in the origin of it, it was literally like the lawn mow lawn mowing companies, it was anyone that would walk in the door, we would print for you. Uh, which is still true today, you know. That was, okay, that was my next question. If you still do kind of more civilian type Oh yeah. Just, yeah, we got our boy like Jason at Main Pool who does pool renovations. Like we definitely have walk-in oh, wow. clients okay. here, but obviously thanks to the motorsports industry, we get a lot of requests for drivers and athletes and just motorsports products, right? Yeah, yeah, okay. So do you have any like major, I know obviously the shop stuff, but like any more services or equipment or any type of stuff you're going to add to the printing side of things? Yeah, I mean, we're trying to figure that out, right? It's like we started with, so I started with the entire process under my own keyboard, right? So it's like I need to design the t-shirt, yeah. I need to go print the t-shirt, I need to ship the t-shirt. And so all of those little things have just expanded. Um, so yeah, like in the shop today is just, we have Bailey at the front of house doing all the processing, purchasing, customer service, email. And then we have our boys doing media and graphic design work, two mechanics, fulfillment Doing killer work too yeah dude fulfillment printing like so we are just that studio space that is kind of dabbling in a lot of things right now okay so like what is your ultimate goal with come i guess you kind of combined both the race shop and print house into one entity almost so what's your your end goal so like you came out of fd is, is there a plan of going back or is it just you just want to win every event you can or you just want as many experiences as possible? Like what's what's the end goal with all of this? Man, I you think have one. Well, that's the thing, right? The <laughs> target keeps moving, dude. Yeah, it's it like it's never exactly. I would say, uh, you know, as like myself, I want to make sure that I could cultivate a place that can eventually operate without me and mm -hmm. be what it is today, which is the core elements of the creative process and the love for motorsports, right? Because that's really all it is. It's like yeah. we're creatives that love motorsports and it brought me back to drifting, right? Screen printing was what I did. Then I went drifting. Then I went back to screen printing. <laughs> now I'm back to drifting. So yeah. it's this evolution of creating products and going drifting. Um, so I just want to see all my people succeed, man, and like, let this business become as big as it can be and then keep me behind the wheel as long as I can. Yeah. I think these are kind of nitty gritty questions, but I know there's, I have a lot of newbie viewers, so I know there's got to be people out there that just want to 
find their own process of business and get you don't really hear stuff like this on a regular basis the little small fine details of growing because that's something that i've searched for non-stop on the internet myself so i genuinely appreciate you giving yeah, <laughs> some more in, informative advice but um i know you've kind of since you have been drifting for so long it was when did you you started in like 2010 right yeah i want to think i got like some trophies from 2010 so i want to say Probably i mean i was street nine. drifting at least two years prior so Damn. probably in eight i was running a 240 around dallas okay so what i've i've asked this question to a couple of guests uh since you have been in the drift scene for so long what is kind of some things that have changed over the years that either you absolutely love or you just cannot stand whether it be the way people act i mean i think i think the biggest thing for me right now is like i'm back into drifting and i'm still trying to like let's say relive my like younger days of drifting (laughs) so like i miss like the hotel hangs and i miss like the camaraderie of all of the drivers and just everyone being a little more loose and able to, let's say, compete for the $10,000 check, but then also like just kick it. Right. And like, I remember, it doesn't matter. I'm still having fun right now. Yeah, exactly. And like, I remember for me, (laughs) unfortunately it was almost backwards where it was like, I was learning more from Vaughn and Tony Angelo and Chris Forsberg when we were at the hotel bar. You know, yeah. I was learning more from them when we were not on Ooh, the racetrack. That's exactly why this I made this exist. Right. Because like I said before we sat down, I always want it to feel like it's just a conversation in the shop with your homies. Because that's, that's genuinely where I've learned almost everything I know about a car. Yeah, but also YouTube. it's like back then it was like, you know, to kind of be so dedicated to drifting, like they seen that. So mm-hmm. they were willing to like lend a hand and help. And like, I try my best to do that when I, when my intuition brings that up to me. Yeah. But it's just like, I miss that for the most part, you know, and drifting has a lot of opinions. So the car has a lot of opinions. The yeah. scene has a lot of opinions. And when it was a little more lean 10 years ago, I think it was just a bit more of like, let's all help each other get it. Yeah. Where now it's like, okay, cool. Generally you could Google it and you'll figure it out. But also like, those wheels suck, right? Or you know what I mean? Just like, dude, it's that spoiled mentality. Cause back then, like we didn't have the parts. We didn't have, we didn't necessarily know what made a good drift car. Right. So we were all, y'all were all just kind of figuring it out yourselves. And now there's like, there's too many, there's so much politics in it. It's like, no, this part's better. And I can tell you exactly why. Well, what about this? Or, you know, there's always that. And I've talked about that with events, too, being spoiled with how much events we have. Like, it makes you kind of think on which one to even go to instead of just being excited to go to one. I mean, exactly, dude. And, like, that's where I really try to keep my mindset on. It is maybe the way it is, but also how do I just splash the difference, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I want to be different. So, like, how do I not focus on that and then compliment as many people as I can on their setups versus trying to have an opinion on it. Like you see this a lot with my liveries is one way that I try to do it where it's like, I don't know, I'm going to have like 10 liveries in a, in a year. Yeah. Right. Like, so I don't even love any of them. I just want them all to change. I just want it to be a creative process where I'm not married to anything and I can just change shit when I want to change it. Versus like what I used to think was like, this was my livery for the year. These are my colors. And this is like who I am. Mm -hmm. And I had to like really hang on to that where I kind of fell into this world where it's just like, I just want to try, 
different yeah. shit a lot. Yeah. Whenever, whenever I first saw you, uh, actually was MIR in Memphis, uh, for Stupid Cold. I think it was like three years, three or four years ago. Right. Right. Okay. And you had the, uh, the drip livery with the, the drips everywhere. That was one of that, that really caught my eye because nobody really does that. I've seen one dude that has like a drip style livery, but it's the entire car. Yeah. And it doesn't, it doesn't look as right, but. And I've always enjoyed how you swap out these damn liveries so much. It keeps things fresh. Yeah, but also, man, like, uh, I want to say sorry to anybody out there that may think that our shit looks the same or something. Because, like, legitimately, I do my best to also not study the industry's, like, looks and things. Oh, so, like, copying? Well, like... Where people think it looks too similar to someone else's? Yeah, yeah, exactly. But it's, like, in my world, all of the liveries come from just me laying down thinking about something like I don't I don't like look at anyone's stuff and think like yeah. oh I want to do that or I want to do that that's cool I'm literally just like yeah. I don't know I think it'd be cool if we drip this here and then that's that the hit the side skirt yeah just like I try to stay in my own world that way all of the stuff that I choose to to, to do mm-hmm. just feels like what I chose to do have you ever like pulled inspiration from just the most random object ever yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we'll pull inspiration from like angles or half tones or some of the print process. Like, you know, oh, we'll we'll okay. definitely use stuff that we creatively see or things that it takes to create things. Like mm. we'll incorporate that into our stuff. Like the literally the drip graphic you were talking about yeah. is because ink. That was just oh, shit. Okay, that that's works. just ink falling into that's something. hilarious. That's it. <laughs> Like, that's all that was. Oh, man. So stuff like that, right? Like, Mm. trying to, quote unquote, feel original just because I'm originally, like, the one who thought of the idea. And some of them don't work either, you know? That's inspiring. I like that. Well, let's get into kind of more cars, I guess. Uh, So this car, you can't see it, but the 240, the... The whole... The pride and joy of Mm -hmm. your lifetime. When you... (laughs) (laughs) Um... This was the car that you went into FD with, right? Yes. Yep. So this is the chassis that basically you guys would have seen in 2014 all the way to 2023. That's so crazy. How have you managed to keep one chassis alive for so long? Well, (laughs) I definitely think if, you know, some of these pro mechanics looked at this car, they would tell me it's like undrivable, right? Like the car has been through a lot of hits and a lot of scars, right? Mm -hmm. But also at some scale, it's given me the freedom to not feel like I can mess it up. It's already messed up. Like other than some of the aesthetics and obviously us wrapping it in house, it's just already been so wrecked that I drive it so free, you know? Yep. I actually, that's, that's perfect. I had a dude on the podcast that said something along the lines of like, if you're not, if you don't go out and completely like total your car, you're not, you're never going to push hard enough to like actually grow in the sport. And I thought, I saw that as kind of, when I first heard it, I was like, that's a little, that's a stretch. But I do understand that because after my first wreck, I completely screwed up the front end. And at that point I was just like, all right, let's see what more damage we can do. I remember the day that Chad from Golan Engine called me and I was standing over a printing press and he calls me and he goes, hey, you need to get back into drifting. And I was like, oh, yeah, I know, I know I'm working on it. You know, yeah, like I'm, yeah. put, I'm putting it together. And he was like, 
all right, I'm going to send you an engine. We got you. We got you on engines. And I remember being like, Chad, what? Excuse me? <laughs> and he was like, yeah, we got you on engines. We're going to send you a new engine. And at the time, I still had my turbo setup that I drove in Formula Drift, right? Because mm-hmm. the car sat under a printing press yeah. for a year. So I literally like lit that thing up. And then that was right when Clutch Kickers kind of did their first season. And I remember, Chad, I love you. And he's going to hate me for this next line right here. But I remember telling myself, I am going to drive that Clutch Kickers track completely on the rev limiter, this lap right here. And I went, <laughs> the entire lap. Left foot breaking the whole way. And the car took it. And at that moment, I also had free like engines. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my gosh, I can like go for this thing. Yeah. So to your point, like looking at it as a tool that you need to use is all I needed to do to kind of like shift my mindset into how to really use the tool to its full advantage, right? Like prior when I didn't have a motor sponsor, I was so nervous. Like if I tap the limiter, you know, or like, oh, I'm driving. You want to baby it a little bit because all of your money and time and effort. And if it broke, dude, I wasn't making the next race. Yeah. If that engine blew up, I was not making the next race. So even having that support allowed me to just go for it. And literally, dude, my driving changed. Oh, I know. I, I could see it. And especially at Clutch Kickers, I, I loved that track. I got to drive it once, thank God. But um, that seeing your car come back out of hiding and the way your driving was then compared to now, you could definitely see it. It was, it was no doubt. I mean, you had so much more confidence in just getting on track itself, just not even doing the run but just sitting in line or you know some of the the little clips like when they come and hand you the lollipop and you're like yeah and give the facial looks like you're really good at keeping that spirit up Mm. and i've enjoyed watching that Mm. i know i guarantee you there's plenty other people out there appreciate it man appreciate it i really appreciate you saying that i mean you got to remember right it was like formula drift was my goal in life i received that goal i struggled with that quit drifting Mm -hmm. and had to re-find myself. So when I was going to those clutch kickers races and I was sitting in a drift car competing, I was just like, I will win. Yeah. I'm winning life. No other option. (laughs) It's like in driver's meeting. You're not going to lose, I win. Dude, like I visualize like in a driver's meeting or something just being like, yo guys, like we're all going to drift today. Like we win. You know what I'm saying? Like that's so rare. Like to just think that being here to drift today Like, that's so rare. So cool, right? Like, so I have carried that spirit of I lost this and now I have this again. And so it's such a joy to drive. Yeah, you kind of been through it. Now you can understand the little things to be appreciative of. And then somehow, some way, everything started clicking. Mm -hmm. Like, I would just win and I'd win. And I'm like, what? I went on a four-piece run, dude, from like, it was crazy. Like, it was so cool. Oh, I bet you were proud as hell of yourself on that one. Still am, <laughs> dude. Shit. Yeah, because it's like I have that grassroots energy, but I'm also have the I want to win energy. So it's like been a blending of like, I'm here to have fun and drink beer, but got to be so cool to win. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, tell me, tell me a little bit about this car, where its final stages were, like from because it's technically retired now, right? Like you're more than likely not really going to drive it. And maybe every once in a while. Yeah, I mean, technically it's not retired. Um, obviously, Accelera is looking for the 24, like the 
the 2023 GR86 to be mm. running my 2024 grassroots tour. So like it's going to be a GR season next year. Mm -hmm. uh, but the 240 is something that I really want to have around. And, uh, you know, I don't necessarily want to quote unquote ever retire it, but at some point I'll put it in a glass box for sure. Yeah. So a little bit of the evolution. Um, so yeah, about three years ago, the 240 needed a lot of love. And Adrian uh, was one of my first mechanics that I was able to hire. And he came in and he really loves mechanics, right? Like obviously he loves to wrench on cars and he just took this thing and evolved it, man. So like he was able to fix it, freshen it up, bolt on everything new. Like we've done multiple motors through Golan in it. Um, so yeah, it's pretty current, dude. Mm -hmm. Like new Recaros, new gearboxes, we service, new motor, FDF, everything, fitment industries, like it's got us on wheel packages and like it's, it's to date. Like it still operates. It still yeah, yeah. rips, you know? Well, tell me about the, the FDF kit. How have you, um, kind of, do you, is it just the front or do you have the rear kit? Do you have everything FDF? Yeah, pretty much everything in our shop. I mean, from the 240, the JZX90 to the new GR is all FDF at this time. So fronts, rears. Um, and to be honest, man, like coming from WiseFab over years of mm -hmm. driving, if Adrian didn't tell me he even swapped it out, I probably wouldn't even know. It no literally shit. was that smooth of a transition from, you know, angle kit A to FDF. Okay. I've always been curious about that because not very many people go from WiseFab down. It's always WiseFab and they just stay there normally. Yeah. But to your point on partnerships, right? It's like when we linked up with Josiah, we really, really felt a connection. And I distinctly remember with WiseFab, I just wasn't able to talk to anybody. I didn't know anyone there. That's I didn't have a, a relationship that's a big issue there. That I've heard. It just multiple drivers. Yeah, which is no disrespect to WiseFab. It was just literally like that company was so established that I wasn't on their radar. Yeah. And FDF was so new and I knew I could market and really help Josiah just with brand. And yeah, so now we got FDF on everything. That's awesome. That's awesome. I, ha I have FDF on my car and I'm, I haven't even gotten to drive it yet. Well, Same. dude, and there's always something to love about a driver creating a product that he believes in himself, right? It's like, I understand Nate to t-shirts and how that fits the industry. And that's like my thing or whatever. But like mm -hmm. when you talk about an angle kit, I mean, I know Josiah is scaling and his business is growing, but you can damn near call him and ask him Anyone questions. You know, yeah. Like yeah. everyone can ring FDF up, FDF up and get a hold of them and ask questions. And like, I'm not, we're not saying blow up his DMs or anything, but his number is. <laughs> His number is this. Right. But you know what I mean. It's like, it's just really cool to, to have that connection to a driver and a product. Yeah, yeah. And he's always open to just innovating, just finding new shit. And like the S2000 that uh, Justin Medina has, they, they did, they're doing a whole custom kit on that. Like just, I've, I've seen even just people I've had on go up to him, say, I have this idea. Do you think it's possible? And he's like, I'll have you a design back in a couple of days. Yeah. Or he literally just sends it right back. Yeah, we're... we're how, dude, dude? How? That's crazy. Yeah, we're definitely going to be dropping an episode on FDF around 144, but it's like the GR86 behind us is a one-of-one -one kit. Like he oh, did yeah. not have that kit for that chassis. He knew we were building it and boom, like he built one. And then I hear him and Adrian on the phone and he's like, oh yeah, I was watching this video and I noticed something and like I got another one coming from me, like a V2 is coming. Already? And we haven't even driven on it. Like it he's that, market, he's <laughs> that like creative with it. So like 
that type of support, I mean, you just can't. Yeah. You really can't, dude. Can't beat it. And every every time I've talked to him, even in person, going to the 50Ks and stuff, he's so knowledgeable. He's always just willing to share whatever information he has. Like, I, it's, it's pretty crazy. Um, getting to meet people like that is wild. Uh, and then you, you're also BC and stuff, too. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I run BCs. Uh, that's, that's one of my partners as well. So. Yeah, dude. Shout out to BC, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're probably one of... We we just I actually cried like a girl whenever he hit me up. Sick. <laughs> that was one of my dreams was to be a part of BC in any way possible. I didn't even care if I was sponsorship associated yeah. or anything like that. Yeah, for me, like BC is a really good example of like where I want to be in ten years because they're a group of people who loved motorsport and then they stuck to their roots the whole way through. Right. Oh, they like, show it. Like yeah. it's super cool. So like how much they support drifting is like insane. Mm-hmm. And like that's what I want 144 to end up being in the future is like yeah. when we're making it big, it's like we can really support people and not forget about that. And BC's always done that. And so other than like we did just start switching up our wheels, right? So I've been with Inca Wheels from the very You're beginning. we RPF1s for years, They dog. were my first sponsor. <laughs> like I was just straight having fun in Texas. Inca walks up. Hey, what's up? You're looking good out there. Here's some wheels. And like literally, I think what thirteen years later, like I was still on the RPF one. No way. So as of this year, we just started mixing up. Like it's as if I kind of wore the same shoes, you know, for years yeah, and years. Right. <laughs> it's like God, I gotta get switch from Converse to Vans. I it's gotta crazy. get some new kicks, man. So we just started mixing up the style there. But uh, for example, partner number two would be BC. They yeah. would be like my secondary longest partner uh, that I've been able to work with. Awesome. How long has it been technically then? Uh, so BC picked me up like, I mean, at least in 2013. Damn. So 10 years. It's crazy to even think how long they've been around. Yeah. Cause yeah. I know for a fact going into 14 and FD, I was on BC already. Yeah. Yeah. And I had, I had bought BCs and stuff for stance cars and shit back in the day. Whenever that, that was my hobby. I don't miss those days whatsoever, but <laughs> you know, I, I've always been impressed by the quality of their stuff too. And I swear the, the extreme lows that I had bought back then were nothing compared to what they are now. Like just the, the quality of metal, the welds, yeah. the, just all of it. Yeah. You love to see it, dude. Like Same. you got to keep expanding. You got to keep searching for better products, you know? Oh yeah. Tell me a little bit more about this FDF kit though. I mean, what, um, what all kind of how, how does it compare to the like the old chassis kits, or does it compare at all? Is there anything special about Dude, it? Dude, I'm super green when it comes to the GR86, right? Like, we've had it in the shop for about a month, let's say. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've never driven on it yet, so it's going to be tough to talk about, like, it operating. But as far as, like, its face value of just throwing it on the car and, like, the adjustments that we know we have, mm-hmm. it's right on par. So super stoked to, like, wrench on it more and, like, test the settings out that it will offer right like yeah, yeah. um but as far as it sits right now it's like a one-of-one one prototype kit uh that allowed for everything to go super smooth and then from here it's just like nut and bolt few things and then actually get out there on the track okay yeah. so are you taking specs like for starting specs of what you think will be right are you taking that from like the old chassis or from a different kit that is provided for this car? Or what, yeah, like yeah, I'm just you... using like resources, right? Like with BC, for example, it's like this is a Ryan Turk shock. Okay. Sh- shout out to Ryan Turk. Yeah. So it's like, you know, he's been in these chassis, right? They have built products that are 
you know, let's say it's the base package of what Ryan would run. So okay. they may tweak and adjust settings and things, whether it be shock length or all of those other adjustments those boys mess with. But like for yeah. us, we have a base Ryan turret coilover kit on this car. And so things like that are kind of, uh, you know, what, what's kind of getting us to yeah, get yeah. on track and start getting our own data so we can adjust and like better it. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. Um, well, give, I guess give me the full rundown on this car then. What has, I know you're going 2J, so you swapped it up. What is, actually, let me ask you this first. What's the coolest thing you've had to put on this car that you, for yourself, either made or just bought? <sighs> Man, that's such a tough Nobody question. Knows much about it, I mean, yet. it's gotta be the 2J. And for me, it's because going back to the origin of me and dad need a motor that's going to last the whole season. So we got a V8. Yeah. So it's like, I just feel that I've only been in a V8 my whole career, which is obviously like facts. And it's just, I wanted to do something different, man. I want to challenge. I want to feel something else. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So like throwing a 2J in here is just like the most exciting piece of that puzzle. And this motor specifically came from Rad Dan, man. Like I was Dude. looking for an engine. <laughs> Jay-Z God. Dude, I was looking for an engine. Happened to just ring him up and he's like, oh yeah, dude, I got one sitting here. Yep. Sends us the motor and we're on. So it's uh, basically a pro spec engine from Rad Dan. That's like a 3.4 2J single turbo and it's ready for FD. Have you dynoed it and everything yet? No. So we haven't started the engine at this exact moment. So okay. we're still going through uh, Link. So funny story, Link ECU and Rad Dan are coming to the shop. No so shit. we're going to wire a few more Actually, things. Actually, speaking of that, my Link ECU showed up today. Beautiful, dude. At the house, yep. Yeah, we're going to just bring those boys in-house and, like, obviously for the project and uh, the, what's the word, like, it's a big project for us. Yeah, yeah. So we just love to host them down here and have them oversee the car starting, and uh, so it'll be fun to have Dan in the house. Fuck yeah. Now, I got to bring this up because I mentioned it on other podcasts before. I personally don't like the squared fender look now this this kit obviously kind of has the squared fender they did a little bit better with it but what's what's your thoughts on that because i get mixed opinions from everyone yeah so this is the pandem kit um and it's like a true pandem kit yeah. so uh my my Bougie. my first thoughts are this is way too expensive i'm gonna <laughs> break the shit out of it in like five minutes so I'm not married to it, man. You know, yeah. like I don't really feel like I have too heavy of an opinion on it. Like as far as what I could get my hands on for the marketplace, it was either the Street Hunters TJ kit yeah. or the Pandem kit or some one-off stuff that I didn't really be able to get a hold of, right? So gotcha, okay. uh, because this build has actually been behind the scenes for eight months. No way. Yep. Okay. So, all right, then let's let's jump into that because how did... I guess, well, you kind of talked about how Accelera came to you and we're like, we need to revamp or was that you that came to them? There it is, dude. Yes. You came to them. Yes. And said, I need a new chassis. I saw this in an interview, so I'm trying to like remember. Yeah, for sure. But um, so how did that approach begin? I guess what what made you decide? All right, we've got to we got to get into something else. Yeah, so uh, I'll try to fast forward some of the story, but it was like in 2019 when I had been printing for the year of 2018, I wanted to get back into drifting. On Instagram, I seen Tire Streets and Accelera, mm -hmm. and they at some point in their like th caption had like drift tire, you know, and I was like, y'all ain't a drift tire, dude. Like I'm into <laughs> drifting and I've never heard of you. And so I direct messaged them and I got a hold of them. And basically I had 
mentioned like, what's up? My name's Nate. And I think I can use free tires from you and we'll like blow this thing up. I remember you saying that. Yeah. It was just like, <laughs> I, I walked in the door and the first thing I wanted was free tires. And I will always remember Kaylee at the time who was the rep. And she was like, no. Who the fuck are you? Yeah. And I was, and I was like, man, come on. And she was like, no. Then I had a mechanic and he was just like, buy the tires and let's go drifting. Mm. So I purchased the tires and I immediately did a giveaway, um, which just was like, everybody tag this lady. I'm giving some tires away. Yep. And then they called me back and they're like, okay, you know, like we understand. You, <sighs> you proved your point. The community, <laughs> yeah, like the community's yelling at us. And so we still had to do some activations, but we ended up earning like the free tire program mm -hmm. by just giving value to them yeah. and really using myself as like a, you know, a placeholder for, to speak to the marketplace. Like I wanted to be able to let people know that they're cool and tires work. Yeah. And I really liked them because they were not super established at that time. Like no one knew Accelera and Tire Streets yeah. in 2019. I was just starting to hear about them at, yep. around that time. More in 2020 than anything. I think I tried my first yeah. pair. And ironically, they're like, it sounds dumb, but they're like a smooth tire. Because, you know, like some tires, kendas and stuff, they can feel a little rough mm -hmm. whenever you're driving. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's like a really, really good tire for where we were, right? Like yeah. the grassroots demos, like that style of driving, they worked super well. They lasted long enough, but, but you know, like, like went away quick enough too. Like yeah, yeah. it was just a really good tire. Um, Very efficient. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, so let's get back into the GR stuff. So yeah. from there... Um, you know, I finally link up with them. Uh, let's call it a year of working with them. The owner uh, came up to me and she was like, the endless search for tires tour is over. Like we got your back, you know? And uh, so for those listening, I should slow down a bit here. <laughs> so in 2019, when I wanted to get back into drifting, I literally created a tour and I was just like, mm. I don't know, man, I'm going to go here. I'm going to go there. I'm going to go here. And just like the endless search for summer and surfing and the good vibes, like I'm going to do the endless search for tires. Like that's what I created. And so then it was like, I need tires, right? So, and, and drifters just use the, cons the consumption of tires never ends. Yeah. So it just made sense. Yeah. Like we're always on a search for tires, right? Yeah. And then with Accelera kind of on the, on the back end, I was telling them like, yeah, man, I'm trying to find a tire sponsor, right? Like I'm yeah. buying tires. I'm trying to find a tire sponsor. And then through our marketing, that's when they came up to me and they were like, the endless search for tires tour is over. over. We got you. <laughs> so, and then we went on a four year run. And then towards the very end of that four years, they were like, Hey Nate, we want you to keep building with us. And we'd love to take the tire into like a more professional setting. And I translated that into you guys want me to go to a more professional event. Mm -hmm. And I was like, my 240 is so beat up, man. Like this thing is thrashed, yeah. you know, like if y'all are expecting me to go hang with the big dogs, dude, like I'm going to struggle. So I explained to them how I think a new chassis would bring some value to 144. And I think having a new chassis with a new tire on it would be the perfect alignment. And then they wrote the check. Damn. See, I, I love that because it's, I know you probably explained that in a lot simpler version, but from from an outsider perspective like that is is really simple approach like you you just went up to him very nonchalantly i, I think i deserve tires and then it, it ends up with a 
basically a brand new fucking fully built drift car. It's I insane, mean, dude. It's it's like the pickaxe meme, dude. You don't understand if one more swing might be the one. It's insane. But let's talk about this, man. I think like if I could try to bring some value to those listening, it's like you got to remember how I presented that package to them mm-hmm. was through business, right? So it's like the goal with purchasing a tool, right? Because that's all it is. Mm-hmm. It's a tool. And in this, the tool is going to do X, Y, and Z. So the tool's going to cost this much, but then it's going to do this many tricks, right? And so trying to understand... It's like a crescent wrench. (laughs) Right, right. It's just like trying to understand like when you're asking for money for a sponsor, most of the times I see drivers just needing money. Yeah. Like it's just like, I need money, man. Like drifting costs a lot of money and you're coming to me and you kind of want to work with me. So like, I don't know, like... What's up? How's the meeting going? I just need some money. Yeah. And that never worked for me. It more or less was like me starting to understand if I have a goal, right? Like let's call it your overhead, right? Like I'm going to use easy numbers. So drifting in 12 months could cost $100,000. Okay. Right? So then if I have 10 sponsors, giving me $10,000, I could have the $100,000, Yeah, right? So I need $10,000 from 10 people. And I just started to chew on it like that. And then I broke that down and then that down. And so I was able to explain to them, A, how much the car would cost, B, how we would get the car job done. The car goes to point A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And like I was able to explain to them like the process of the purchase. Mm-hmm. And I do the same thing with all partners, right? Like some partners understand they are physically paying for gas. So here's the gas mileage. Here's the gas rates. Here's the travel. So you straight up tell them like the money's going for this and that alone. Yeah, dude. Like when I preach to kids right now, like kids will call me and maybe ask for some advice. Right. And it's mm-hmm. like, okay, go. Right. I always tell them like, pitch me. Yeah. And it's like, okay, cool. I got this meeting and I, I know y'all want to work with me. And like, I know I can bring some value with my audience and, but I don't know what to ask for. Like, that's usually what they're mm-hmm. telling me. And it's like, well, what do you need? And then also, what do you, what do I get? Right. Yeah. So like when I walk into a new partnership meeting or something, it's more or less like, do we feel like this is a good fit? Do yeah. we, are we talking two years plus? Like I need to make sure that 144 fits in with you first before it goes anywhere. And usually around that singular like moment, mm-hmm. the companies are already like, oh shit, you don't want to like, just like give me everything. Like, wait, you don't, yeah, you don't even yeah. know if this is going to work on your end? That's crazy. So it's kind of like, okay. for those listening, it probably feels a little bit like playing hard to get. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You want to make sure. Because I've learned that in just the, my media company side of things. Um, you, I don't personally want to f- deal with the headache of a client. Like, I'm going to sit there and I'm going to ask you just as many questions as you're going to ask me about what I do. And I'm going to ask that, making sure what you do works right with my morals and what I need to do and what's efficient. So like, cause like if I have, if I got to jump through hurdles, I send you just a simple 30 second reel and you got to send it through this person, through this person, through this person. And then the last person five days later says, I scrapped the entire video. It sucks. That's dude. That's just killing everyone's time. Yeah. And so I've kind of tried to, learn teach almost teach myself how to incorporate that into sponsorship proposals 
and being a little bit more confident in who I am and what I can provide. Yeah, exactly, dude. And like, what is your time valued at? Mm-hmm. You know, and like, that's where I think for a lot of the kids on on the rise in drifting, it's like by the time you pitch something and you do the trick, 12 months flew by and you're back to zero. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times, like when you're walking into these companies and you even just start with like, could this be a two to three year deal? Like for me, that's like a game changer, right? Like, yeah. and if they're like, no, nah, Nate, we just really want to use all your social channels for this one trick and that's all we want out of you. And then we're going to keep cruising. I already know, like, I'm less interested Yeah. because what has helped me with DEI, Deechworks, BC, others is like, I'm able to know that I'm taken care of for multiple years and then a lot of times, some of the marketing and, and the seeds we plant take time. So it's like, by the time I'm able to prove my value to you, I'm already back off the team and I'm re-pitching yep. how to get back on. So if there isn't some form of a long-term relationship, I'm already way less interested right now. Awesome. Okay. So with those, how you said, with the hundred grand thing, you need 10, 10, 10 from 10 different people. What were some of the key deliverables you had to give to these companies uh, whenever, I guess, the sponsorship started? I like to start it like this. Hey, what's up? My name's Nate. I feel like I got some stuff to offer. Like, how do I work for you? Right. Okay. What, if you look at 144, what services do you think I could provide to you? Right. Like, if I go to the racetrack, do you want me to talk to talk on camera and be like, yeah, what's up, Deechworks? We're here at this spot. I'll chop that up, throw it into a Dropbox, and you guys can use it. Is that mm-hmm. valuable? Do you want 10 pack of photos? Is that valuable? Do you want me to, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, and this again, right? Reverse engineering. Everyone's it, case is so personal. It goes back to who's providing the, like, whatever it may be to you. Yeah. So what used to happen to me was, you know, it's like, hey, what's up? I really want to run your product, and I'm going to send you stuff. And it's like, I'd send them stuff and they're not using it because they themselves may have not known even what they wanted. So a lot of times, mm-hmm. like if a sponsor can't tell me, yo, Nate, we want the DEI product to arrive. We want you to unbox it, put it on your car, you know, talk to the camera. And we want to do this six times in a year. And I'm like, great. That's a target to hit. Sweet. Like I can see what I need to do for you. And then some sponsors are like, yeah, man, just do what y'all do best. And those ones I have to like really pick at and figure that out because that's vague. Yeah, a lot and of the times those end up being the more nitpicky ones. Is well from the media side of things, not the yeah. sponsors, but those those are the ones that are like just just work your magic, kind of do do what you do, and then and then you do what you do, and they're like, oh, that wasn't it. Yeah, it's like, well, why didn't you give me your suggestions from? The front, and, and it's because exceeded your expectations. But it's because they didn't even have that on their tongue. Yeah. But if I'm talking to you and you don't have that on your tongue, then I will do my best to extract that, or I will throw in the caveat of like, "All right, dude, I'm gonna do what I'm gonna do." But remember, you said, "Do what I do." Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I need to make sure we're speaking in business correctly because I want to actually work for you. Dude, that's, that's why I asked you before this, if you worked in sales before. I never worked in like sales. The, the people that don't work in sales don't know like tactics like that. That's crazy. I mean, it, yeah. And it, I, like I said, I had to figure it out. Yeah. Right. It's just like, what? And, and it's like a lot of times what I've learned as I grew older in the industry was turn, it, it started to kind of turn into like, oh shit, we're the same age. And all you have to do is forward my paperwork to whoever's paying the bill. Mm-hmm. And we need them to understand. 
So I got close enough to understand that like I would maybe be trying to ask questions towards, let's say, the rep, right? The marketing rep. Yeah, yeah. But the marketing rep needs to go check in with his team to understand what the team needs. You feel me? Yeah. So it all kind of yeah. just is a big game of like, how do you work for your partners and your sponsors and what service can you provide? And if you can figure out the services you offer, you could create a menu and just be like, I don't know, man, this can be an a la carte menu. I've got six tricks that I can offer. If any of those tricks work, here's pricing. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm yeah. saying? You can pay me quarterly, monthly, annually. Dude, that's that's so perfect because I, I know there are people watching this that are just sitting there overthinking every part of it. And it's, I know, it's, I know, but it's like you got to just have that target. And even if you're making that target up, right? Like I know when I was younger, for me to go drift all season and trying to remember what each month cost to then put a total value on it was like a headache, dude. Yeah. I didn't even want to yeah. know. Yeah. I didn't even want to know. You know, I was just like, I'm spending, like, I don't even want to know. Yeah. But something changed to where I had to know, man. Yeah. And I, I, I agree. That is very important. I need to do that myself just so I have the expenses mapped out. And what I can can and can't afford. Well, this one's for you, right? Cars. So in your world, we were talking a little bit off camera about like wanting this podcast to succeed and grow and wanting your own endeavors to grow. And it's like, you got to get real with like, what does that look like? Like mm -hmm. if you did a podcast every month, every week, every day, like what is the podcast's growth goal? And once you can kind of be like, okay, I can see that. Mm -hmm. Then the reverse engineering starts to where you can funnel that in. So same to with your client work. If you had one killer client that could pay X, if you know what X is that you're trying yeah, to yeah, earn, yeah, of course. if that one killer client could pay it, you only need one client. Yeah. But if you thin yourself out over 15 drivers that you're going to try to manage in media, you may be spinning your wheels, dude. Yeah, it can be excessive. And that's why I try and I, I normally don't like to break more than six clients because it, at that point you're just spreading, like you said, spreading yourself too thin and stuff. It becomes way more of a headache than being a business owner already is. And it hurts the client, right? Like as a driver, I remember being at the track and like, let's say you'd hire a photographer, but that photographer is also working for 10 other kids. Mm -hmm. And then also your photos look like the 10 other kids' photos. Yep. So it became a game of like, how do I hire kids that do shit differently and weird and awkward? And like, yeah. I want it to just look different. And that's different. something that I recognize too. Cause, uh, I, I'll go, whenever I go to do media for like Scotty D, I'll go and do, I'll take videos and stuff of other cars, but they go nowhere. They stay in my computer. And that's, that's all they go to because I don't want to like sell my, my video footage to any other driver and then it just be exactly the same as what he's getting. I think that's un that's unfair. You're paying me for specialty and kind of exclusivity. So I always want to provide that. And, but it, I also love the practice, too, of just recording other cars. Yeah, so, dude, for sure. Win-win. I was always uh, super inspired by Ryan Davis at Yair, who is now at Race Service. Mm -hmm. But back in the day, man, this dude would be up in a tree. He would be anywhere shooting that no one was. Yeah. And I still use that as a coin for my guys where it's just like go where people aren't. Get yeah. the angles that people aren't getting. Like, fucking mix it up. You know what I oh, mean? Oh, yeah. Like, Dude, I just, literally last night, uh, I messaged, do you know who Creature is from Grid Life? Uh, I don't think so. Okay, so uh, his, I don't know if that's actually his real name is Creature, but on Instagram, his name's Creature. 
but I've seen him at a past few like events that I've done for Scott and I saw I started looking at some of his videos online. This man is a insane with the camera. Like absolutely insane. Some of the shots and like angles that he got, I was just like, dude, I would have never even thought of that. Like how do you what what clicks in your brain for where you're like, if I put the camera here in this angle, move it this direction, that's going to be the sickest shot ever. I just like that's that's so hard for to get to that level, I guess. Uh, cause I've always said, if you learn the basics of anything, you have the ability to learn almost the entirety of it. So I've progressed over seven, six, seven years of filming. And then I see stuff like that and I'm like, dude, I'm still so small, <laughs> still small, man. But like, I, I my like expertise is in a different genre of video editing. He's more cinematic and stuff, but. I always pull those little tips and tricks from yeah. everywhere I can to create my own. I always like the uh, like water in the palm analogy, right? So yes, I've heard you say that before. If you yeah. if you got water in your palm and you squeeze it, you lose the water. Mm -hmm. So going back to time, it's like, all right, I'm going to go to this drift event, and let's imagine everything I shoot at this exact event is a wash, and we don't use any of it. Mm -hmm. Now I'm free to to do whatever I want. Cause none of it matters. So yeah. now I can get awkward and I can go up in the tree and I can do things that feel different and I can risk it to try to create something special versus I'm at this event, this driver paid me and I can't miss this shot. Yeah. Right. You like you're squeezing the palm so hard to make it correct to whatever expectation y'all created mm -hmm. where like being a little more Zen and just letting it ride seems to actually be more creative. Yeah, it does seem that way. Uh, so when I want to, I want to kind of get back on the BRZ a yeah. little bit. Um, but <laughs> whenever you dropped it, I was at LS Fest, mm -hmm. and I know you said you had someone talking to you about how everyone there had just everything to talk about about this car. So what were some of the the good and bad you heard from all of that? Um, I think like you know when we debuted the project. It was something that the factory really wanted us to release uh, to start obviously building hype and then bring in the audience to show it start up and finish kind of yeah, building yeah. it, right? So I think like from what I'm hearing in the industry, like dudes love it. They're proud that I'm in something new. I think that there is a little bit of like thoughts between how did he make that happen and how did he get that paid for? And did he take kind of... Yeah, a lot yeah. of people are saying you stole the Accelera budgets. So. <laughs> <laughs> Right, right, right. You know, it's like, and that, that can, I understand the imagery of that, right? I yeah. understand how it can look like that, um, which I don't believe. No, no. I would say that you're kind of becoming the face of Accelera as far as sponsorship goes, but I wouldn't, I mean, they still sponsor so many people. I don't even understand how someone would consider that a reasoning. Yeah, I mean, I think like, obviously it was a fair amount of money to build the race car, but I yeah. think for them it was something that was manageable and I think that there's still room to grow as other drivers are growing with them right now. Mm -hmm. So again, it just goes back to reverse engineering your pitch and your business and like how you get people to pay for stuff for yeah. you and with you. Is this the first car they've helped build for a driver? Yeah. No way. Okay. So that would explain it to me. They're just in their growth stages too. Still. Exactly. So dude. they're trying to get into where they're putting their name on a full car. Yeah, exactly. And like the industry also is like yelling for, let's say, larger tire size, some more grippy options from them. So like 
we went through that grassroots phase where the 651 sport was just beautiful, right? Like buttery enough, grippy enough, affordable. And it was something to where they want to premiere a new product and like they want to be able to speak to that upper class of pro drivers, let's say. Okay. Yeah, because like so this speaks, to, this car speaks to that audience is what that is the goal. The good goal of it is. That is the goal. Okay. So can you share any information on what the possibilities of new tires and stuff coming out are? Yeah, dude. I think uh, in the background at the factory, like they've been working super hard to specifically listen to drifters. They literally have been working so hard to like create a better drift tire. Um, obviously, new tire compound, like the mm-hmm. physical compound of the tire, double sidewalls, larger sizes. Like they're just listening to us and then they're yeah. working in the background to try to produce for us. And uh, yeah, we kind of just got to like see what the factory rolls out soon. Oh, yeah. I'm, I know that that's got to be getting complicated with all the tariffs and new regulations and stuff they have with tires. But um, I love to see, like with Kenda, they just came out with a new tire and stuff. I haven't gotten to try that one yet, but I, I'm excited to see what they come up with because I've really enjoyed using these tires myself. Yeah, dude. And I feel like, you know, what, what I really love about Accelera is like, imagine, you know, like, it's hard to explain this thought, but it's like the creative process and the motorsport. Mm-hmm. So it's like, obviously they look at other tire companies and some of them can do it faster. They could do it, you know, yeah. other biz- tire businesses can produce X, Y, and Z. But I will say Accelera for the first four years into my next four year contract, it's like all they talk about is the community and building drifting. Love and it's that. like, to me, that's super Love rad. That. Like, I don't, I just, I don't know how to word that, but like, Mm-hmm. I get real excited about that because it's like they may not be the fastest producing tire. Like, you know what I'm saying? They, yeah, they yeah. may not be able to bust out exactly what we need tomorrow, but like they know it's coming and they really care a lot about the industry. And for me, I'm like, they're going to be around for a long reliable. time. They're going to be around for a long time. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. So for those listening, we wanted to to mention like right now the 144 camp is obviously doing a lot of marketing with Accelera, you know, and it's a big moment for us because we've had in the background this plan and now it's coming to fruition. And I think it can look very rich and expensive. Mm -hmm. And then other drivers out there can be nervous that Nate took all the budget because look at this cool, rich, expensive project that just dropped. Mm -hmm. And all I'm trying to say is that there is a lot to grab out there, right? Like there is a lot I don't think they overextended themselves by any means. I think you could walk up and start asking for money if you have the right pitch. Like, I think they're willing to definitely expand other drivers. Mm -hmm. And so, like, I just don't feel like I took all the money. Well, from a company (laughs) standpoint, why would they dive into something like that anyways and just completely blow their entire sponsorship budget? Dude, the op doesn't make sense to me. The opportunity is wide open, man. It was the same for me with, uh, like, understanding, like, now that I operate a business, I'm like, bro, I will write a check any time of the year. Yeah. I used to think, oh, when I go to SEMA, if I don't get it by this date, like they can't make it happen. Like I'll call somebody like in March, right? Okay. Drift season's happening. Things are solidified. Like I'll pitch to someone in March and get a check. Damn. Why not? Yeah. Like why has it got to be during the off season? Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, that's how FDF and BC was for me. They were all in dead middle of the season. And BC, I didn't even talk to. He, re- Cody, reached out to me. Yeah, which was super cool. And yes, that was that's a, yeah, the best. Yeah, yeah. But to the point, you know, it's just like go get it. 
Learn how to oh, go yeah. get it, man. I agree. What? Okay, so what is something that you want to specifically mention about this car that you don't think has gotten very good of a highlight so far? Uh, man, I feel pretty. I feel pretty fair about the marketing behind it right now. I mean, I think that the car for me will be cool because it's a new car, right? Mm-hmm. And like just changing my branding and changing my imagery, right? Like if you hear Nate Hamilton, you're like, cool, 240 V8. Yeah. You know, it's so like for me, I think it's going to be really cool to have that extended opportunity of a different Fresh chassis. Um, but I will say, I guess what isn't highlighted as much naturally is everyone that went into the car, right? All of the process from we took the car down to Austin with Walker Pro Motorsport. So Russell Walker used to drift with me and Stuart Leesk and all the Lone Star Drift boys. And like, so to kind of have an OG do most of the fabrication is awesome. Yep. To have Adrian and Brandon come in at the right time to be like well-skilled to handle a build like this. So they're doing like all of the logistics. Like it's so, so cool, cool man. man. So like, the team that helped build this thing is probably going to be less highlighted in the media mm-hmm. because that's just how that goes. Uh, but shout out to my boys, dude, for getting this done. Oh, yeah. Always shout out to the crew. Okay. So on the BRZ, then, so is you're going to Canada soon for mm-hmm. the LZ World Tour. Mm-hmm. And first off, congrats on the first one. Super sick. Glad you won that. Thank you. How was that experience in Ireland first? Ireland was really, really cool. Uh, I think for me, Ireland was a moment where I got to obviously travel to Ireland, right? So it was like, I don't really get to get out of the country often, Mm -hmm. uh, which I probably, I probably should have focused on driving a little bit more. Uh, but it was really cool because that space. So a little behind the scenes with the LZ world tour, Adam himself is so cool as far as like sharing the marketplace and community. Mm -hmm. And so I'm finding myself in a room full of influencers and I have business in the background with some of them, right? Like I'm printing products for a handful of the guys, but I'm not necessarily the influencer and that's why I'm there. So I have this very interesting perspective of like, so we're in business, like we print all of LZ's products, right? So it's like, we print for Adam. I drive against, I race against Adam. I'm doing my own like media for fun, but it isn't on any of their scale, you know? And so it's me in a rental car picking up Hurt and Grant Anderson and like we're meeting (laughs) up with Jimmy Oaks and it's just like- More homie vibes. It's just this energy that I found myself in. And aside from drifting, it was just beautiful, dude. Like those dudes are so cool and the behind the scenes of their life and their operation is just inspiring in itself, you know? So like going to Ireland was cool. Like we won the first round, got the free ticket to Ireland yeah. and I just found myself there and it was just beautiful and cool. And the whole crew is just rad. And so the actual drifting was very tough, man. Really? Yeah. I was in a right-hand drive chassis, which is no big deal. Like I daily the 90 often. So like comfortable with that, but just the team and the settings on the car and the locals just being so dialed at Mondello Park because that's like their hub of oh, yeah. core drifting. Really all they got. Dude, it was like so cool to see. Poor phone, dude. Poor phone. Oh, dude, the screen protector's all fucked. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. But yeah, dude, it was, uh, it was a really good time. So thanks to the LZ camp for bringing me out. Oh, yeah. I'm a, dude, I would love to go to one of those one day. Uh, do you, do you see kind of a future for the world tour stuff? I know that's like 
I mean, Adam's probably the only one that can do something like that with his audience. But do you see that being a, f- a future endeavor for a lot of event hosts? Or do you think it's something that only he is going to do or if it won't even last or if he's going to move on to something else next year? I mean, I definitely can't speak from any like inside information. Like, oh I have, no, no, no. I have no inside information on it. Looking at it from my perspective, I would say I think it's doing well. Like, I think mm-hmm. as far as like the business side of it, it's doing well enough. I think that it is a lot for them to put all of those events on. Like, the logistics oh, and and imagine. their team is probably a lot like more niche and smaller than you'd imagine. Mm-hmm. So I know they are working super hard at those projects. Um, and I think, I think drifting is trying to figure it out right now. Right. Yeah. It's like the 10,000 turns to 25 to 50 K's. Like yeah. there's just so That's why I've been bringing this up recently because with the 50 K Riverside stuff, like, dude, I know he's not, he's not making money off of those events. There's no way there's just not enough spectators. There's not enough drivers ever. And so I, I kind of see those big payout events withering away and keeping more grassroots or more small tire comps, more stuff like that that's in for everyone rather than the big guys. But it's like, think about it, right? Like, okay, I'm a drifter and I want to make it. And like, what what do I want to make? Yeah. Like, what am I, what's, and then I think about the 10Ks and 50Ks and the shootouts and it's like, so think about this, right? The value prop of those is the money. Mm-hmm. Right. So like in Formula Drift, the value prop of Formula Drift was to become a Formula Drift athlete, leverage that in business to be just a more expensive program. Mm-hmm. Like when you get your Formula Drift credentials, your sponsorship dollars in theory should go up off the value that Formula Drift brings to the marketplace. Yeah. So I think the 50 K's and, and just the shootout culture right now the value prop is win money. Yeah. And I feel like in some scale... I would the, argue that that's the wrong perspective to take on those events. I mean, wrong or not, dude, it's happening, which thank God it's happening. But also yeah, I can yeah. see that value prop changing, mm-hmm. right? It's like at the world tour, literally the to win is to show up. Like that's what I learned in Ireland. Back to your question. <laughs> in Ireland, what I learned was when you show up, you win right? Like I get to hang with Hurt and Hurt just shows up. And if he goes drifting and puts on a decent show, he won, dude. Yeah. But he's signing like shit all the, like he's just going off with the community. Hurt, man. So the world tour stuff is more about being invited and being a part of that culture and time. It's not about what are you going to win? When I, <laughs> dude, when I won the first one, I thought I want a skateboard. Yeah. No one knew what you even win. They don't promote what you win. So what did you actually win? I then? won a free trip to one of the rounds. Oh. At the podium, Adam was like, yo, did you know we're going to take you to any round that you choose? Do you want to go to Australia, Ireland? And I was like, I'm going to Ireland. Yeah. But like, you know, you hold the skateboard up and that's what I thought I won. There wasn't Dude. like, there's no driver's meeting that's like, all right, guys, this is for this amount of money or this is for this. Like they leave all of that out of the conversation. They're like, put on a good show, have a good time. It's so smart. Like give back. You guys got to be at these autograph signings. Like they have it yeah. set up for the fans and the drivers are just there to help the fans have a good time. Yeah, they're the talent. But then you win cool shit too. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? See, dude, that's, that, I love that because that's where I emphasize spectators are what keeps the sport going. 
So like if you're not providing the activities or the the wow factor to the spectators in the event, then what are you really trying to even build? Because that's what's going to drive it. You could make everything as perfect as you want for the drivers, but like the drivers are just paying for the track rental for you. Yeah, and which that's about it. And which to the point of the world tour, the LZ World Tour stuff, it's like I see them do a really good job at the autograph signings and the uh, VIP meets. And like, mm. if you think sometimes, and maybe it's just the jaded kid in me, but it's like, if I watch drifting sometimes, it's hard to watch, man. Mm. It's hard to sit through some of those events. And I understand as a spectator in a hundred degree weather, sitting on a freaking metal, like yeah, bleachers, it's, it's like it's miserable. tough to keep the wife and kid out there all day and wonder who won and how they won. Yeah. So, like, if I know I'm going to that VIP autograph signing with Hurt and Jimmy and Grant Anderson, like, that's good, yeah. you know? So, it's like, I think some of that energy is is lacking in a lot of those 10Ks. Like, let's let all the dudes line up and do an autograph signing because at least they get to meet their favorite driver once or something, right? Like, okay. those type of things to me are what I see from the outside that I would influence. That's intriguing. So, what if... um so for these little smaller payout events, I know you just said autograph signings. What are some other things that you think would be very promising to incorporate into these events then? I think that, uh, you know, like Chelsea Denofa does this really well, and I'd love to eventually move into a time and place where I can be there for these things. But I think, like, if I'm going to go to a 10K shootout, I would love some form of, like, a driver uh you know, like a driver's meeting for drivers, mm -hmm. right? Like let Denofa come in and speak for an hour in a meeting for anyone who wants to show up. Any driver, not mandatory, just like, yo, what up? We're at the 144 booth. Chelsea's going to talk his shit and teach you about drifting. If you want to learn, cool. If you don't, don't. Yeah. But like, then you get some value like out of these things. Like when Chris Forsberg used to do driver's meetings at XDC, he would teach people about gearing. He would teach people about when to shift and don't shift here. You know what I mean? So like, yeah, that's very valuable. Coming to some events, I feel like that's missing. Like you have the guys running the event who may or may not be active in drifting. Mm -hmm. They tell you the run of show and they send you out there. Yeah. And it's just like, I see super young kids who I will try my best to mentor, but like I see kids that just need a little bit of love like that. Yeah. Oh, I totally agree. That's good then. Uh, well, do is this car going to make it to Canada? No. For so the, the GR, yeah, the GR86 will not make it to Canada. We're no. going back in the trusty 240. Uh, we're hoping to see it. I know, man. <laughs> We've got about a few weeks ahead of us uh, with some wiring, tuning, starting yeah, yeah. the engine. But we did just get the rear end and drive shaft, which was kind of the two like hard items that we needed. Massive, <sighs> dude. Thanks to drive shaft <laughs> shop, that thing came quick. Yep. Uh, but yeah, dude. Uh, the GR will really, really be like a 24 package. I think over, you know, yeah. October to November to December, we'll start testing in it. Uh, we'll start dropping content of driving it. But I think like publicly, it'll be something that we could bet on for 24. Sweet. All right. Well. Is there anything you want to mention about all of this or you got any anything you want to ask, whatever it is? Man, I don't know, dude. Like I see I see the podcast growing. I see the socials growing. I just hope that yeah, I hope that you can just keep finding your target to hit so you can keep working for it. And then when you accomplish that target, you'll be like like where I'm at in my life right now. It's so funny, man. I've had a few of the people who really know me and they're like, "Yo, Nate, 
you know, you launched this new car, you're doing these things, like you, your shop expansion's looking great. And it's like, are you, ha- are you seem, ha- are you happy? Like yeah. you don't seem as happy as you used to be, you know? Yeah. And in my eyes, I'm going through a, a wave where I'm like, oh shit, I just accomplished everything that I was working for. Yeah. It's that, like what's what next? next feeling? What's next? So now I'm almost put back to task to create what's next as I've accomplished the one I just worked on. So I think process, you feel me? I love it. So to your point, I just think whatever, whatever's going on in your world, man, I hope that you find that next target and you're able to work for it and you're able to just breathe in the moments. And I think the podcast is going great. I'm stoked you're here in Texas, dude. Like, it's really, really cool. Oh, yeah. Well, when that time comes, I'm going to be like, yep, Nate fucking told me so. So, <laughs> <laughs> Just bring a value, man. We just got to keep bringing value. Always, always. Uh, well, I guess we'll close it out with uh, what's the best piece of advice you've got for just anyone getting into drifting? Fresh newbie. Mm. Anyone getting into drifting, I would say you have a lot of time. So take your time and do your best to like kind of love each chapter of drifting, right? Like it was very difficult for me wanting to just drive to learn business or wanting to drive but not stand in front of the camera or wanting to drive but not want to wrench on the car or, you know, just like loving the whole process is the only way to, I think, accomplish like a big picture goal. So it's just yearly, monthly, daily, act on it. Perfect. Love that. Thank you for not giving the KISS method. What's Everyone, that? The kiss method. Duh, keep it simple, stupid. Oh. Everyone says that. <laughs> so I'm like, because I ask that question at the end of every podcast. I always do just because I think it's very important yeah. for the newbies. When I was new, I had no idea what I was doing. Yeah. If it wasn't for Brendan Daniels, thank you. I wouldn't have a car. I wouldn't know anything about drifting, really. Yeah. So very appreciative of that and really appreciate you letting me come here and get you on the podcast. Absolutely, dude. Yeah, yeah, thanks for having me. Oh, yeah. Well, if you want a uh, shout out, anyone, go for it. Shout out yourself, anything like that. I'll put uh, it on screen and stuff too. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, shout out to 144's Print House and Race Studio. Our whole team's killing it. We're here to help you guys. We really want to expand kind of our Rolodex of how we help the motorsports industry. So hit us up. Orders at 144racing.com. We'll end it on that plug. Hell yeah. All right. Well, that is pretty much it for this one. So um, I guess go ahead and... Give a follow and go follow Nate. He he does put good content. I know he downplays it a little bit. Your content's good. But uh, go give him a shout. Go give him a follow. Uh, but that's pretty much it for this one. Hit the subscribe button, and I will see you next Sunday every week with a new podcast. Peace. Later. Hell yeah, dude. Sick, dude. That's just that was fucking cool, bro. That was awesome. Told him that I got to go, dog. I'm riding a road, y'all. I think that I'm back in my bag now. So I need that go, y'all. Got hits when they throw in the fastball. Just too quick for it. Peeling off like the whip orange. Seen the effort, it's piss poor. I got too much, I got to tend to. Car payments and the rent due. Told y'all that I'm six.